Thank you so much for tuning in to the Attack Early Show. My name's Sam Moses. I'm with my good friend, Matt Garber. Hello. And today, we're going to talk about how to keep your clients happy. This is a topic that one of uh, our listeners brought to our attention, the idea of wanting to know more about how do we keep clients happy, add value to them, um, and just serve them overall uh, outside of just, you know, doing mastering for them. So I'm pretty excited about this episode because it's going to cover a lot of things that you really need to know if you're going to have a any longevity or clients returning to you. And these are a lot of things that I think Matt and I probably wish someone would have told us a long time ago, but we are now going to share them with you. So Matt, before we dive in, tell tell the people a little bit about the merch store. The people? The people. So... We have bugs that say make fucking bangers. <laughs> we have mugs that say it's, it's okay. okay to be loud. You know, if like cranky people on the internet or from other parts of the world are telling you that you should turn down your music because I don't like loud music, you can just shove your mug in their face <laughs> and say it's okay to be loud. <laughs> and that's okay. So we got those. We got resting glasses, which are... Super high-end, heavy-weighted uh, whiskey glasses that have a quarter rest etched in the bottom of them. It's so cool. Yeah, and uh, and we have socks. We have tube socks, and uh, they're super comfy and cozy. And they would be a great present if you're looking for like to you know serve your client and to give them a Christmas present. Oh yeah, this is like a little full circle. It goes hand in hand with the episode. Oh man, what a like this whole episode is just an ad for the merch store. <laughs> yes. Psych. Brilliant. <laughs> so yeah, we're uh, we have a merch store and we'd love for you to buy our merch. And you can go to theattackandreleaseshow.com to go and purchase the merch. Super simple website. Uh, three buttons. That's all I wanted. My wife built it for us. Said She's like, what do you want? I said, I want three buttons. She's like, what do you want them to say? And I said, I don't know. So she copied Vanilla Ice's Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. And it says Shop, Collaborate, and Listen. It's brilliant. And it's funny. If you want to email us, you can email us. If you want to listen to the show, you can listen to the show. If you want to buy some merch, you can buy some merch. Sometimes we'll have a little bundle sale. Sometimes we won't. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's good. And you should buy some merch for you and your clients. Agreed. Um, yeah. Wonderful. So go to theattackandreleaseshow.com and get you some merch for Christmas. Excellent. Christmas. That's our sponsored ad for the show. That's it. Sponsored now by we're ourselves. Now we a podcast about how to keep your clients happy. <laughs> yes. Excellent. Well, let's unpack it, Matt. Let's unpack this idea. Let's unpack it. Cool. So, Sam, you've been in this game for a hot minute. So hot. And you probably have had to, you know, been interested in keeping clients happy. And I mean, as we've said in previous episodes to include like the marketing episode and whatnot, you should really have a handful of key performance indicators to let you know if you're doing a good job at 
what you're doing. And one of the big KPIs, as I call them, is return clientele. Yes. And that definitely tells you whether or not you were doing a good job or if you're laxing somewhere or if you need to do something. So in terms of keeping clients happy, yes, kind of, uh, kind of pull back the curtain a little bit. Pulling the curtain. Here we go. I'm unpacking the suitcase, pulling <laughs> that was out like the, the curtain. That's the least magical way to say it. <laughs> I just set you up for like a Wizard of Oz moment. Pull back the curtain, Sam. Pulling back the curtain. <laughs> the curtain's pulled. As you can see on the left, there's a lever. There's clients. They're not happy. Here's how to make them happy. In Sam's notes, it says servicing clients, but we're not going <laughs> to say servicing clients. We've had a conversation about this. We have. That servicing clients sounds too sexual. So we're just going to say serving clients. We serving we serve clients. We don't service them. Yes, <laughs> I had to. I had to ask. A Matt very about important that one. distinction. Yes. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about clients in general, and then keeping clients. One of the biggest things that I had to learn as being a mastering engineer specific was that I started thinking that the artist was my client for a number of years. I even marketed to artists for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a ton of success that way um, until I realized, and some of you listening are probably way smarter than me, and uh, that is that is a good thing. But I eventually realized that mixers slash producers, but mainly mixers, are my actual client that I want to go after. Mm-hmm. So once I started marketing and thinking about what do mixers slash producers, because they kind of go hand in hand these days for a lot of, even a lot of the big guys are both producer mixers. Um, you know, what do mixers like? What do mixers need? What do mixers look for in a mastering engineer. And that was really a big eye-opening experience of that. Once I started to market to mixers, A, I got more work. But B, I began to understand that if you can serve your mixer, then the project usually goes well, as opposed to trying to serve the artist or serve the label or the A&R. If you can make the mixer slash producer happy, they have a ton of weight pulling, it seems like, in projects mm-hmm. to where they will then um, sign off on your work, which is kind of always, a lot of the times, my number one thing is I usually send the work to the mixer first to approve before it goes to the artist or label because I want to make sure the mixer producer has usually been with the client or the artist or the label, whoever has hired them, for way longer than I have been. And that's like a ton of knowledge that they've acquired that they can share with me to best hit the end goal. And that's something when you're at the mastering stage, um, we are the last person to really know anything normally. (laughs) So the best case scenario for me is like someone fills out my former label contacts me and gives me a general idea of what we're doing, what the budget looks like, and kind of an idea of when it's done and who's doing it. But mm-hmm. we really don't get specifics, or at least I don't, until like I get the mix files. And even then, 
you know, from labels and stuff, I've had like sequencing come in late or we change order or we change a song or something. So you're kind of at the last stage and you're always kind of, now if you're smart, you won't, um, you won't be always playing catch up. You'll be anticipating problems that could come up. So for me, keeping clients happy looks a lot like helping the mixer out and helping complete the project. It's helping them understand what makes a really great master. There's a lot of listing, which is not a, uh, a joke or a pun, but part of mastering is to listen to the client, listen to the artist, listen to the label. Whoever's involved, you want to try and listen to all of them and get their thoughts, concerns, questions, and just make sure that you have a full picture of what's going on. And some of this initially might feel like, at least for me, when I started asking more questions, I almost thought like, am I bugging them? Is this like going to come off as annoying if I'm asking all these questions about, you know, how's the project been? What are the concerns about it? What formats do we need? Where's it going to go? And I've learned that by asking those questions, it really shows your clients that you care. And I do care, but also what you learn the more you do this is like you need to know all those things to wrap a project usually. Um, Because if you don't, they're going to come back and bite you in the butt at some point (laughs) of you think the project's done and then you learn something and you're like, oh, I didn't know that. Or you master a whole album assuming everybody liked the mixes and then they're like, we actually hated the low end on every song, but we just couldn't we figure it out. We were hoping that mastering would fix <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly. So doing your homework um, is one of the number one ways to keep your client happy is to ask those questions of, hey, how's the project going so far? You know, how, how do people feel about the mixes? Do you as a mixer have any thoughts or concerns about it? Any hopes and dreams like for what you're hoping mastering can do about it. How's the label feeling? Is there anything that I need to know, you know, before I jump into this and just kind of use my expertise to serve you? Um, is there anything I need to know that may hinder the project from getting done or hitting our goal? You know, or is there anything you can tell me to help me, you know, set me up to win? And I think that's a big part of it is like viewing, you know, and this is something we've talked about is like, it's all about like community and partnership and you have to view each stage of the music process as like a, a relationship and a friendship and kind of a, like creating community. And if you view clients and things just as transactions or as potential money or clout or whatever, you probably will not be serving the client to the best of your abilities because it's all about you. It's all about how much money can you make? What kind of credit Mm -hmm. can you get? What can you show off to your friends on Instagram? All those things are not how you really keep clients happy. It's how That's how you keep your own ego happy. And your own ego is just a waste of time to try and make happy because it's never satisfied. So it's way easier to focus on servicing clients and keeping clients happy than to try and please your own ego through all of this. If you do that, you will lose, and you will lose clients, and then you won't be able to do what you like for a living, and that's no fun. So those are my opening remarks. My monologue number one is in the bag already. What do you think, <laughs> Matt? I'm... Uh... Give me uno momento. I'm writing things down. Yeah, you, my little um, my little note taker. 
I guess so. <laughs> so I view, um, I feel like in my head and uh, I need to get a, and you and I had just recently spoke about this. I need to get like a plan down of how I'm going to approach like each year mm-hmm. and who I want to, um, who I want to work with more. And on my 2020 uh, business plan, it definitely says like target market mix engineers. Yeah. Um, I work with I work with a bunch of producers currently, um, and the reason why I've been kind of pursuing that as of right now, as opposed to more of like a mix engineer relationship, and I, I approach both. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. I've just always kind of viewed a producer much like the general contractor on a constru- on a construction job, mm-hmm. and so like, and then I'm essentially one of their subs. That's just kind of how I viewed it, and mm-hmm. I know a lot of people may view it differently. That's just kind of how I view it. So it's like I'm always just trying to be. <laughs> it sounds bad. It's like I'm just trying to always be a good sub, and I'm always like trying to deliver. And it's like I'm always trying to make sure. I like you were saying that my communication is there. Uh, I took a note that asking questions uh, in regards to a record does not make you look like an amateur. Yeah. So if anything, it makes you look like you care. Don't get me wrong. If you're asking a ton about a record and if you have like a proper onboarding form and the client has gotten that to you and whatnot, um, and I mean, the onboarding form should really answer just about any question you have. But if you listen to the mixes and it's like, this is a little, this is a little rough, um, I mean, maybe it's worth going back. It's like, hey, is there anything I need to know about this record? Because chances are, if you have worked with this person before and things are sounding like a little off or whatnot, I mean, maybe they struggled with it. Maybe it was a difficult vocalist. Maybe it was like kind of like a young band or something like that um, that just had the budget to put together a record. Um, So there might be some dynamic there. And it's like, hey, what are the expectations... Uh, that y'all have for for mastering and like what were the expectations for you with what you received um, if you're speaking to a mix engineer or whatnot um, but yeah I love that like is there anything that I need to know to like help me deliver the best end product to y'all um, I really love the I really love the whole mantra and I, I, I will probably do an episode or two on this. Uh, I would love the mantra community uh, versus competition. Oh, yeah. Or community over competition. And it sounds like a very dopey, uh, stupid BS millennial thing to say. (laughs) But I feel like if we dive into it more, um, I feel like, and this is why it almost deserves its own episode, because it's not like a lovey-dovey, like, everyone gets a hug type BS. Right. It's more of you're going to get more work done working with people than working against people. There it is. So, and like there's this like thing in the back of my head and it's like I'm trying to practice this too. There's this thing in the back of my head. There's another mastering guy in town. He does freaking records like for Kanye and like he's like a big time dude for some reason i don't have the nuts yet to go over and just introduce myself (laughs) but it's like i don't know what i would ever offer them a value or be able to do 
So it's like mentally, I'm still processing through that. So come on this journey with me. <laughs> um, so it's like, I don't view them as competition because they're not even really operating in the same realm. And if they're doing work in town or whatnot, typically it's a client that I would have never uh, typically run into or not, I don't want to say associated with because that sounds elitist, but it would just never, like our paths probably just would have naturally crossed. Um, so it's just, uh, it's it's not even competition. It's just someone else in town who does what you do. And so I'm trying to figure out and talk myself into the whole thing that, you know, community is better than competition. And I don't know, maybe bring them a bottle of scotch or something like that. I mean, that <laughs> normally sauces things up a bit. So, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really want to do. I really want to do a whole episode on that. But yeah. in general, it's better to work with people than it is to work against them. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you have competition, you have angst. Um, I do believe competition is good, though, and I do believe that competition. Um, in its like general form is healthy, but, um, I just, uh, I, th- I think that operating with community, cause like, if you don't have competition, then it's like, you don't really have like a reason to be better. So yeah. competition is healthy, but like having that community and being able to like excel and move everything forward together, um, I don't know. I think that there's an inherent benefit to that as well. Yeah. So um, that that once again, you can tie that into keeping clients happy and serving clients. And it's like, um, once again, I'm not a hip hop guy. And I, we, I was driving around China. I wasn't driving. I was having someone else drive me around China. <laughs> and I messaged Sam on Instagram. And I'm like, yo, send me over some of like this hip hop stuff that you're like really into. And I was like, I just, I don't feel like I appreciate it enough. Yeah. And Sam just unloaded a whole history <laughs> of like hip hop to me. And I mean, it was fantastic. I probably like went like the whole day or the next day just going through this, these playlists and these albums and whatnot and just kind of diving into these artists. And, uh, I have a lot of respect for the genre, but even more listening to it, it's like, I don't think this is like, I don't think it's my wheelhouse. And it's very obvious why it's in Sam's wheelhouse. Just like knowing him and how he masters and how much he loves this genre. It's like, this is completely you. Yeah. So if I have a hip hop project and I'm just like not feeling it, um, not that I'm not not like not feeling it, but it's just like not vibing right, and I just know it's not a good fit for me, and I'm not gonna be able to serve that music. I can then pass that off to Sam. Right. If I mean, there's a bit of a rate difference between me and Sam, but like, so long as they don't mind that, um, we could figure it it's out. It's like he's yeah, he's a perfect fit. So it's like there's a there's a benefit to doing the doing the community thing. So once again, keeping a client happy. It's like if you get a project that's just not a good fit for you and you are in community with other people, my big thing is I don't like creating a problem without having a solution. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I want to be able to like hand that off and make sure that their record is going to be as massive and awesome as it can be. So, yeah. And I know for that genre, Sam's the guy. So, that's the. That's the community versus competition thing. Yeah, and I so. like I like that because 
I mean, there's things I don't do <clears throat> as well, and that gets into like, for me, keeping clients happy is very much about staying in your lane. And if you stay in your lane, it forces you to never be in a situation where you're like overpromising or lying to them. Yeah, which is a big thing of like when people start out. Um, something I mean, I know I did when I started out is you just want to work and you just want to. You can get caught up because you're nervous or anxious about like a potential client or like if you meet someone out and they ask if you can do this or have you done this or what do you do work with and I know there are times where I just like word vomit you know yes oh yeah I could do it. oh yeah I could do it. and then I'd go home and be like I don't do that like I don't have that <laughs> piece of you what the hell like I literally blacked out and lied or something like it just I think it. You know, I know I'm not alone in those situations when you're kind of nervous and you just the intention like is pure and that you're just like I just want to work and I know I can do this and I think I need to like fluff up my skill or accidentally say something just to go along with the client, you know, potential client and over the years I found a that doesn't do much for you. If you have a habit of lying or fluffing up your skills, it never there's no longevity in it. It'll catch up with you. But the main thing with that is like what I've learned and you know I suppose for me it was just an, an insecurity and not trusting that where I am you know where I need to be in the journey and and understanding that some work is for me now and some work for me is is not you know is for later with bigger clients and I think there's a lot of work when I first started that I thought I wanted or wanted to be a part of that I had no business in ever touching it until I was more skilled and understood how to make clients happy and keep them happy. And I think my best piece of wisdom to people, like keeping clients for me, a lot of it looks like being fully open with them and transparent. When they ask you how you operate, how you do things, what you use, the type of gear, where you work out of, it's so easy to just say, oh yeah, work out of studio and not clarify that it may be like your laundry room in your house, you know? Mm-hmm. And if the client's like, well, can I come over to listen? All of a sudden you're like in this lie because you're like, well, no, you can't because I don't do this and that and that. And the reality is maybe you're like, well, I work out of a laundry room. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's why I don't want clients, not because it's a policy I have. It's a insecure policy I carry around with me because I think that I'm not good enough or worthy enough to work with these people. Um, but I've found the more I'm open with people, that most clients, they're just trying to get to know you. Like they're not yeah. judging you. They're not really sizing you up or like taking your gear less and doing like a spreadsheet against the 10 other mastering guys in town. Like none of that is happening. But for me, it's so easy as um, a human, I'll say, is. When I started, it was really hard for me to tell people like, "Yeah, I just work all in the, all in the box," you know. Yeah, and be like, "That's what I'm doing right now," <laughs> you know. Or they'd ask me a question about, "Do you use this piece of gear for mastering?" And I'm like, "I don't even know what that is at this stage. <laughs> like, I didn't even know that was a brand, you know. <laughs> like within mastering, you get like, well, probably all of audio, but there's a lot of like high end boutique brands. Like even Matt. I mean, you Matt, I feel like bring me a lot of brands of gear that I don't even know exists. That's amazing. Um, one being like that ma- Magic Death Eye compressor you talk about. 
Um, yeah, I got to get one of those. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, I remember you brought that to me, and I was like, I have no idea a even who this guy is who makes it, who has done killer records. But there's just like so much. There's so many times where you like I could have. I mean, I could have lied to you, man, and been like, oh yeah, I know about that dude. Like old news to make it seem like I'm cool. I don't even know, you know, whatever that is. But I've just found to keep clients happy and and to get clients, you know. Don't lie about where you're at or what you do or your process. They're not mm. really looking to, they're not asking these questions probably to rule you out. They're asking questions because they want to form a relationship with you. So they, like with some mixers, like they ask me about gear because they want to know, like, how can they mix better for me to be their guy? So if they know I, like tubes or something, but they really want to work with me, then they might be like, well, I know I don't need to like color the hell out of this mix. Like Sam will take care of that and do it better, you know? And I've, I've found that to be more of the case is like the mixer just wants to kind of know what's going to happen or what the, what tools are available. That's a big one is like, they just want to know what you have in case they have some awareness of different things. They can actually chime in and help, you know, quote unquote, help guide you to say like, hey, you know, a lot of my mixers, like they trust me 100%, which has taken years to earn that. And I think you do do and slash should earn that from mixers. But when mixers are aware of kind of what I have, sometimes they'll say now, hey, could you, could you use like the vintage Pultex on this? I think that could be a cool vibe. So I'll try that out for them and go, okay, cool. Let's see what happens. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. But it's just one of those things that I've found. The more transparent I am with what I do, you know, what I do when I do my work, you know, the type of gear I use, how I work, type of speakers. If anybody has questions now at this point, I just tell them. And if somebody wants to like judge you off of that or not work with you because of gear, it's you know, in my experience, it's happened like two or three times, maybe in ten years, where someone's like, "Well, how do you master then if you don't have this?" and I explain like that's just not a piece of gear I've either a used. I mean, there's plenty of gear. Well, not there's. I guess yeah. There's probably plenty of gear I haven't used still. Mm. But just being transparent, if they're like, "Well, we're going to go with this guy who has this piece of gear or this setup," then it's usually a client that is looking more for kind of a street cred or being able to show off who they use for than trying to find the best fit. Um. So because that's kind nobody of, really cares that like, yeah no one cares besides them that they're using like a manly very mew or right. something or, exactly it's like no one really cares and that's kind of the the funny thing with gear in general is like I mean and you know too Matt like we have pieces of gear and they're just tools sometimes we use one sometimes we use none sometimes we use all of it and sometimes like I stay fully in the box even though I'm like. Uh, analog love working in the analog world sometimes if a song has already been hit to tape in a console and it's just like it doesn't need more saturation it doesn't yeah. need to leave the box to be to for the project to be wrapped because anything I'm about to do is just going to change the vibe change the color change everything that's been signed off on you know it's just not my place to just start throwing it through gear just because I have it and that's, I think, one of the things of like keeping clients happy is helping them, you know, 
if someone does say, well, why don't you use that? I don't take it as a, oh, I bet they're trying to see, you know, they're, they're fishing or like trying to poke a hole in my, my story or my career or my ego. I just tell them why I don't use it. And sometimes the answer is like, oh, I've just never used it. So I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can go rent it for you or something. It's always kind of, if someone's really persistent on wanting to use a piece of gear, it's like, I have the luxury of just go rent something at Blackbird or whatever. But overall, like keeping clients happy, I mean, this is probably the number one rule that can just be applied to everything is like, don't lie to the client. <laughs> just be yeah. honest with where, where the mix is sitting. Like, do they sound good? In my opinion, does this mix work and is it going to master? Well, you know, don't just master mixes because you've got it and you need the money. Like, you want to keep a client happy or a mixer happy is let them know if there's something that's going to make their mix sound terrible after it's mastered. I mean, that's a great way to lose a mixer <laughs> is like let a glaring air go by and then mastering usually kind of shines light to things like that. And then the mixer's like, what the heck happened here? <laughs> and you're like, well, it's in your mix. And then they're like, well, why didn't you say anything? Yeah, it's, it's like just, obvious edits or something yeah. like that. Like if there's like a really loud edit or like if something's distorting or whatnot, I mean, and they might not hear it because right. they're listening to it like what? Like sometimes I get mixes and they're like minus 30. Yeah, they're super so it's quiet. Like, well, yeah, no kidding. They didn't hear it because I'm bringing it up like right. substantially. Yeah, and we're so, always bringing up like the essentially the noise floor of like everything yeah. is just coming forward most of the time. Multiple dB, it's just the nature of modern mastering I'll say and so there's a lot of things that I hear you know side information or stuff that we do we do all we can to maintain like space and image and all that and a lot of times we can make it even better and solidify it but there's definitely things that shift in the mastering process where the mixer may go what the heck why didn't you tell me like the attack of the kick drum was 6 dB too loud <laughs> like I've yeah. I've had that where I'll hear something, and I mean, once again, I'm human. I've done it where I'm just like, well, they must have just approved this, and they're on a tight deadline, and I'll just master it and deal with it, and then send it to the mixer, and they're like, this isn't going to work. And I'm like, well, I mm -hmm. thought you know, maybe the sub was a little off. And they're like, well, why don't you just tell me next time? I'll run a revision. So it only took a few times of that years, you know, <laughs> years ago for me to be like, I can tell the mixer things. They want to know I'm allowed to do this. Yeah, they want to know what's up most of the time because it's a reflection of them. And you know, they want me to ma be able to master it the best I can cuz that just makes the mixer look better as if they're a better mixer. Um so that's kind of like my monologue too is is be honest, don't lie about where you're at, what you use, how you do it. Just be transparent and you're going to find people that will absolutely just adore your honesty and transparency. And then you'll find just a few people probably who are like, uh, you know, you don't use this piece of mastering gear or this microphone, so I'm going to go to the other guy. And for those people, you can just say, all right, thank you. Like, my product's not for you. And that's fine. And you move on. So, yeah. what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, in, ter in terms of that, I've never had that kind of a situation. But I mean, in general, that's relatively petty. Um, but I don't know. And it's, would that have ever really, cause like how many times have you like purchased a piece of gear or something like that? Or like even heard a piece of gear 
and you're like, wow, that actually sounds a lot different than how I thought it would sound. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like the first time you're hearing that. And so, it, I mean, those, those are the kind of people that you, you probably would have never made happy to begin with. Yeah. Um, so, and I mean, and that, and that's more than likely like an artist as opposed to a mixer. Right. Because like, there's no mixer going around and be like, do you have a manly berry mew? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I gotta I gotta work with a master engineer who's a manly very mu. Right. So, I mean, no, no one. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think that's anyone that you necessarily like want to work with. Um, so one one of the big things that I think I'm going to start doing is I'm going to go around to all my clients and I'm going to say, hey, like at the end of the year, like, hey, is there anything that like I can do different for you, yeah. or is there any way that I can like be better at my job for you? So kind of like you take a client, you, you essentially like have this baro- this clientele barometer mm-hmm. uh, in order to figure out like, I don't know, it's like maybe they want you to send like, yeah, you never send MP3s and I'm always asking for it. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, well, that's easy for me to do. Yes. I can just, like that's a click away. Right. So I don't know. Um, I, think, uh, I, th- I think that's what I'm going to... I think that's what I'm going to start implementing. Um, I mean, one of the things you have on here, I, I, I've seen a, a bit of pushback from some other people in the industry, but I think that's also kind of petty. Um, you have in here, uh, promote your client's work online as it goes a long way, yeah. which I 100% get behind. But you have this like odd like culture of people who are starting out who they see that as you bragging about the work that you've worked on, and it's right. like, fuck them. It's like, yeah, <laughs> right. you, should, you should 100% brag about stuff that you do that you think is incredible. Right. And you should make your client seem like they are as awesome as their music sounds. Right. There's no reason why you shouldn't do that. But there are some people in the industry who frown on like promoting that type of stuff, which I don't know. I I just think I, I think that is petty. Right. Um so Yes, always promote your client's work. Um, generally, if I miss it, it's like I'm traveling or something. And there was like when I was in China, I had a couple releases, and I was like, "Wait, okay, what shit? What day is it over there? When did this come?" <laughs> it's like you're 12 hours ahead, and right. you're like, I'll, "I'll get it when I come back." <laughs> so it's like that's like generally the only reason I miss it is if like I'm traveling around, yeah, or like don't have internet. Besides that, like I love promoting. Uh, I love promoting everything that like comes through and yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, I think I've kind of like hit on a lot of what I wanted to hit on. Sweet and like this is like a super quick episode, but I think it's kind of like I think that's kind of it. Do you have anything else? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, <clears throat> the promotion thing. Like I find that to be very helpful in general just to show your support to the artists. Um, I mean, when I first started, I felt weird about promoting everything. But, I mean, A, your business, B, you want the artist to get famous, (laughs) in theory, because that's good for business. And C, it's just kind of, it's once again to me, it's the community thing of, this was a community effort. This, yeah, the the credit thing and like 
within the the Grammy world, like we just did an initiative of giving credit to creators is a big like new hashtag and movement we're trying to do. That's great. And it's they're uh, they're basically trying to create a platform that allows people to quickly <laughs> input the credit and then share it online. Which, if you're is listening, this, is this for like any project whatsoever? Yeah, it'd be for any project ever. Like that's awesome. They're creating a free. I got to test it. It's like a beta version, but it's a really super easy online program that you can upload a photo, basically make like a social media post, you know, kind of curate it before you post so it. So cool. Just to keep everything organized and clean. And if you want to share it with other people, like a couple <laughs> of my clients are just having like their manager or somebody just do it and send it out, you know, the day before it goes out. So we have the same, you know, look and feel and credit. Um, but it's just really important. Like, Social media marketing is like the new newspaper or I don't know what you want to call it, but it's it's where people go to look for things, to discover things, to read about things, to see ads, <laughs> obviously, that pop up. Um, and it's just, to me, it's a community thing because at least in Nashville, what I've found is when the more people share who did what, you realize that you are basically connected to everybody. Like you are you either worked on a project with someone that you didn't know was on it, which has happened a lot in the last year. As yeah, same. Which is a wonderful thing when you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you played guitar in that. <laughs> um, I mean, I met a girl last night, um, once again, the Grammy meeting thing I was at, and she has played strings on like every album I've mastered out of the smokestack that Paul hires her. <laughs> and That's literally cool. four years of albums of her being the string player did not know her, did not know she was the player. And then I met her last night and we started talking and she said she was a composer and she does string arrangements mm. for studios. We started talking and then I met her and I was like, oh my gosh, like you are the magic of the string section on all these records. So it's just, it's once again, it's a community. It was like, a, you know, I just told her like, you're freaking awesome at what you do mm. and like you literally make every album better. And... um that's where like promoting people's work, you know, it's it's it can be about you. It can be an ego thing, but for the most part, I view it now as you know our I don't know maybe our age group is shifting of like no we're we're doing this so people know like it takes a lot of people to do this, yes. and it's not just the artists doing all the work. You know, the artist is a very important part, but so are the thirty five other people <laughs> that made this album possible. So I think that, you know, that for me is all about the community over competition idea and, and the promoting is really important. And anyone that wants to view it as like, oh, you're showing off or whatever, it's, you know, I don't want to, it's a broad brushstroke, but that's that's a jealousy thing. Like I, I say that it's jealousy because I've been in that position, you know, years ago when I was starting of seeing people post their work and I'd be like, ah, screw them. Like how'd they get to do that? That's not very good. And it's just that jealousy can creep in so quickly to where you poo-poo the credit or you see who else mastered it for me, and I'd be like, oh, why'd they use them? Like, why not me? Like, I'm so much cooler and better. And that's just that ego that you got to kill and see it as like, that work is not for me. That work is for mm -hmm. someone else. There's work for me to do, and they, I trust people that when they pick someone to work with, that that's who's the best fit for the project. 
and then I leave it at that. There's no point in spending energy and time of like trying to make up stories in your head about what you think is going on and how people are plotting against you or something or decided not yeah. to work with you or whatever. So anyway, I think that's I think that's a super important thing and just helping clients know that anything we do is, you know, really not about competition. It's about creating the art you need to you want to create and helping, you know, our job is to help them get that out and be a part of the the music community as a whole instead of viewing it as a a side-by-side competition. So that to me is how you keep the client happy and how you serve the client. So good. Matt, take us home. (laughs) No, man, I I love all of this. So if you like it, go on to iTunes or wherever you're listening. Give us some likes, some stars. Please. Comments would be awesome. That'd be nice. All of that really helps. If you really want to support the show... I guess like anyways really supporting. I mean <laughs> it's all I mean nice. just reaching out to like us and saying, Hey, this episode didn't suck is great. That's a lovely thing um, for me Sam to get. and I normally like anything that anyone writes to us, we normally will screenshot and share with each other. Yes. It really like definitely fuels the positive fire yes. for doing this. Um, <clears throat> um but yeah, if uh, if you want to financially support the show Go buy some merch. Yep. Um, we try to get it as high quality as we can. And uh, I think I have said this before, but once it's gone, I'm never going to make another <laughs> batch that looks like that. So right. there will never be another batch of tube socks that looks like that. Exactly. Another batch of mugs. Um, the whiskey glasses, I we, we have some cool plans for. So yeah. those might those might hang around a while. Um who doesn't like booze? So, yeah. <laughs> Sam uh, Sam says, take one and give one to a friend. I say, be selfish and keep them both for yourself. Do whatever the heck you want. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, um, one of one of the premise for the resting glasses is uh, uh, music has dynamics. Uh, or no, no, music has rest. Your life should be equally dynamic. That's it. So. Uh, yeah, that was something. I think I was coming back from a plane uh, on a plane ride. I was like, no, it was yeah, it was over this summer, and I was just like burnt out, and I was just like, well, damn, like music is allowed to rest and have dynamic range. Why the hell's my life not exactly? So that kind of that kind of dawned, and then I sketched it out on my wife's iPad, and I was like, okay, yeah, we're gonna we got something. We're gonna do something with this. We got so, a mantra yeah. here. Yeah, so if you like what we're doing, it I would probably go ahead and go ahead and do that. And uh, I'm not we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna remake them. Uh, minus the whiskey glasses, those are probably here to stay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, regardless, um, if uh, yeah, if you, if y'all wouldn't mind doing that, we would we would love y'all long time. <laughs> um, yeah, so morning, afternoon, evening, whatever you're having, have a darn good one. I imagine Sam has some sweet music from BeesaBeats.com. Buy Very Sam's Beats. Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sponsor that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, thank you so much for being you, um, and we'll see you all in the next episode. Whatever you're having, have a darn good one. Cue the music. Cueing. See y'all. Bye-bye.
Yeah.